All right. We'll start it off with an oldie and a goodie, guys. Here we go. Today's episode of The Wretched Hive is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's H-I-V-E. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Guys, the Wretched Hive podcast has uncovered a huge secret connection between Star Wars and Lost, the television series. Yes. Huge. And it's not J.J. Abrams. It's not J.J. And we... I was about to say. (laughs) ...are here. No, it's not J.J. It is not, I promise. And we're here to fill you in on our deductive reasoning and investigations because you have found the Wretched Hive Podcast for Friday, August 17th, 2018, episode 68 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and uh, we'll get started with introductions. As always, the Wookiee co-pilot is here and in the house, Greg Lent. Stevie B, my boy. Let me tell you, I am so excited to be here for another week of great Star Wars talk, and I'm glad to be here for one other reason. I almost died this weekend, guys. I almost died. Wait. Did your car overheat and explode like Scott's did last time? <laughs> not Scott's at all. Scott's car did not overheat and explode. No. Hashtag Christine Hulkle was right. No, <laughs> not at all. No, no, lies. Wait, wait, let him finish. Greg, <laughs> why, why did you almost pass into the next life? I was left alone in the house this weekend, and yes, I was able to feed myself successfully. The problem is I have four cats and three dogs in this goddamn house, and I'm pretty sure they were all plotting my death the entire weekend. <laughs> How many times did you order Domino's this weekend? Uh, not once, sir. Wow. Not once. I'm so proud of you. Wow. Yeah. Thank wow. you very much. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot better than I would have done. Thank you. Also on the uh, show tonight, he is a lifelong... Star Wars fan! Scott! Ivansky! <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, I just gotta say, it's gonna be a, a fun night tonight. I am uh, recovering from a weekend of uh, heavy rum drinking oh. in San Diego celebrating Tiki Oasis. Tiki Oasis. So, uh, scale of 1 to 10 compared to other years, what was this year? 10 uh, being best. 10 being best. I, I would put this one a little bit lower. The theme was a little bit off, and uh, I didn't get to spend a lot of time there. However, I will say this. The rum was beautiful. Oh, nice. And the people, so the were the people, ladies. Oh, the ladies were. I got to shoot it a little bit this weekend, and I'm happy. But we, uh, Dave and I, were going to have a talk later about certain uh, cars overheating and nearly blowing up. All right, but we'll we, talk about that. later. We can do that. And were you able to connect with um, close personal friend of the show, Brad Shawen, down there? Uh, I did not actually. That what? I wanted to say a special shout out to Brad, uh, who's a fellow podcaster. I am sorry we didn't get a chance to meet up. 
Uh, I know he had his. Uh, I always want to say newborn, but I think I think not a newborn anymore. Yeah, but she's like a toddler. Two, yeah. two is it? I, uh, Brad will tell us. But anyway, uh, Brad, next time we'll hook up down there. It's all good. And uh, also, did not get to see show favorite Jackie Michelle. Oh, bummer. Uh, special shout out to her as well. She had some uh, emergency uh, surgery. Oh, I hope uh, she's doing better. She is uh, doing a little bit better right now. I saw that on the yes, Facebook yes. too. Well, so. Jackie, we send our love and good wishes to you. Yep. All right. What about Brad? Did we not send our love to Brad? No, like, fuck, fuck that, screw fuck that guy now. Yeah, 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 screw yeah, Brad. Yeah, yeah. He Brad's was drinking. Nasty. He was drinking. I saw he what ma- he was doing. He makes one appearance on the show. He's never welcome back again. Oh, he's welcome back. Oh, he blew it. No. No, he's yeah. all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brad. We love Brad. Uh, definitely not on the show tonight. He's the captain of the Millennial Falcon. He is still working on uh, the night that we record, so good for him. Yeah. Nico, keep up the good work. That's all we got to say about that. <laughs> 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 we have one more thing to say, actually. And finally. Well, boys, I reckon this is it. We have. You sneaky little bastards ain't getting doodly shit out of me, except maybe my name <laughs> social security number. Dave! Nuclear combat toe-to-toe with the Ruskies. <laughs> Under... No circumstances. Bet you're going to bomb John Wayne's house, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> Got the John Wayne reference. I think, I think I bombed it. Should you ever. Nine packs of chewing gum. And I mean. Lumberjack. Ever! Three lipsticks. Three pair of nylon stockings. Call him. Shoot, a fella could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. Harry. Oh, you want me to tell you where Hollywood is? Potter. I'd sure appreciate it, sir, if you could find it in your heart to hang him up by his uh, neck until he was dead. Were all those from from Blazing Saddles? I only recognize about half of them. I, don't, I think they're a mix. Yeah, the same uh-huh. actor. That was a Slim Pickens medley there. Oh, well. yes, Slim Pickens okay. okay. medley right. is what it was. All right. Got it. Got it. Good job. Good job. Well, thank you to my favorite rebel scum, Steve Baldwin. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening to you wherever, whenever, and however you are listening. We are 4x4 four four tonight, but that's okay. Don't despair. It's still going to be a wonderful show. All those Western quotes, though, just, it reminds me of a – the accent, at least, just kind of got me to the, the one of my favorite quotes from the movie War Games, which is, uh, gentlemen, right now I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd help. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Great movie, by the way. Great Guys, movie. so <laughs> what got me on the Slim Pickens thing, by the way, and I just got to bring this up briefly, and it's ta- it's it's extremely tangentially Star Wars related, but if I told you that you could make a movie and you could get John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd to star in it, you could get Steven Spielberg to direct it, and you could get Bob Zemeckis to write it. Yes. Would you think that was going to be the greatest movie ever? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to greenlight that immediately. I'm going to not yep. only greenlight it, I'm going to I'm going to say right now, I think it is still one of the funniest damn comedies of the 1970s. Uh, you do know what I'm talking and I think this was still 70s or was it I think it was 81, wasn't it? And we're talking about 1941, the movie that we're talking about was 1940. I, I think I I mean I'd have to look it up, but I think it was pre Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. So that would put it late yeah, 70s. Yeah, it was for okay. sure. It so, was late so, 70s. So, so seventy nine eighty, we'll put it in. So we'll we'll call it seven seventy nine, just to just to to put it there. But yeah, the star power and just the talent behind that movie, 
Um, and I mentioned just John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd there, but I mean, there's still a ton of other people that are in that movie. Oh yeah. Um, and it's Christopher Lee's in it. Uh, Toshira Mifune's in it. Uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of actors that you would know from that era. So it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of names like Ned Beatty. Um, I think Robert Stack is in it. So it's just, it, and it is really funny, but it's just, it was such a, uh, panned and maligned movie when it came out in its day. It just really makes me sad. I think you should go out and check it out to this day. Steve, go watch it right now. I've seen it and I think it, it is very, very funny and absolutely bombed. Yes. Bombed at the box office, right? That's really what it's famous for, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. do this for Dave Potter's uh, liking here, I'm hoping. Right. Uh, that was Spielberg's follow-up movie to Jaws. That, wow. that was the movie that gre- was greenlit after Jaws was made, and that was prior to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. Yes. Also has a John Williams score, guys. Yes, also a John Williams score. And it's a fantastic score. I own the soundtrack. It is so good. So good. Well, hmm. maybe, maybe he'll treat me by playing some of it when I go see him at uh, Hollywood Bowl here in a couple of weeks. That would be wonderful. By the way, did you win the signed copy of the Jaws soundtrack uh, or score? No. no, and as long as you didn't win it, I don't have to murder anybody. Mm. <laughs> I tried to sneak it out from Well, if you have ever peed on a spark plug, give us a call and let us know how it went. It's uh, fi- That's a reference from before, Scott. You listen to the show? No, no, right. I, I have many times. Okay, actually. it's uh, 562. Listen to the show and Pete on a spark Four At the same time. 455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell HIVE. You're goddamn right. You can also look us up online at uh, thewretchedhive.net. Guys, we have a new email for the show. It's show at thewretchedhive.net. Very easy to remember. I'm sorry if I spit on you there, buddy. That's okay. Sorry. Um, also, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wretched Hive Pod. Instagram, Wretched Hive 77. You can also download the Apple app, the Wretched app in the Apple App Store. It is 100% free on sale now and forever. It'll be free. One hundred percent, not for children. Loyal listeners, uh, well, you know, Dave, it's funny you mention that because um, we have a very special Star Wars choice system. Let's get into it. It's a little game we like to call Star Wars Choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. Let's choose. Okay, would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula? But Jabba gets to watch. I just assume he's a wolf. Why do I have to choose? Star Wars choices on the Wretched Hive podcast. Now, I mentioned that because you mentioned children should not listen to the show. But one of our very loyal listeners, guys, is under 18. Her name is Kelly... She is a minor, wonderful young lady, and she listens to every episode of our show. And she asked me to do a special Star Wars Choices this week. And so we're going to do it just for Kelly. 
Which droid do we think is cuter? BB-8 or R2-D2? Which is cuter? BB-8 or R2-D2? Dave, you're up first. Oh, we're starting with me? Yeah. Okay, this is rough. This is kind of like choosing between <laughs> kittens in a litter. I am going to carry the kitten analogy to the logical conclusion, and I'm going to say actually uh, BB-8 because it's the youngest kitten in the litter at this point. No. All right. Fair enough. Greg, what say you? Dave, you bring up a good point there, but how can you top your first love, guys? Your first love, R2-D2, the beeps, the boops, the cuteness, the sass, the attitude. Mm. The sass carries a long way. I'm going to go with R2-D2 as my choice for cutest droid in the Star Wars universe. All right. Okay. Scott? Yeah, actually, Greg stole a lot of my own lines right there. Uh, mm. I am going to go with my first love of a droid, and that was mm. R2-D2. Um, BB-8 was kind of a skeptical thing for me because we had mm. some discussions prior to The Force Awakens that BB-8 was going to be another Jar Jar Binks. I think that was on a couple of our shows, and although BB-8 won me over, and I love that little droid, mm. R2 is, uh, is the first one. Well, guys, that's uh, two votes for R2, one vote for BB-8. And uh, unfortunately, this Star Wars Choices is going to end in a draw. Because BB-8 clearly is so much cuter than R2-D2. Now, R2-D2 has the, the history factor there. Definitely my first love. Okay. But R2 is way too good of friends with 3PO. And I just cannot, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Okay. Can't wipe that stank off cannot, of him. He can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> wow. I, 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 you know, anyone who's friendly with three PO is not a friend of mine. Well, That's all. I'm I can't say. let this go. This choices will not end tonight, Steve. Because right. here's my problem with this. As much as I respect your <laughs> oh choice, are you two going to go Thunderdome over this? We're going <laughs> to oh, oh, Thunderdome oh. all over the place, man. Oh my god! All I'm right. building the cage right now. Wait, wait, wait. BB-8 never interacts with three PO. Never sasses 3PO, never calls 3PO names, which we know R2 does. R2 has a problem with 3PO. Yes, they're paired up, but R2 has stood up to 3PO multiple times. That's a really good point. Multiple times. That's a great point. But, however, I will say right. that almost every time you see 3PO on, or uh, R2 on screen, yeah. you got to see 3PO too. And yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a check mark against. R2, sorry. Yeah, but he's dragging so, his head and his body through is, Cloud City. I'm talking this droid is he's cute, he's lovable, he's sassy, he drags a broken dumbass droid around that you really dislike. Okay, I'm good uh, with it. Fine. I'm good with it. Alright. Well, he's no, rebuilt R 3PO twice, so I do have to hold that against him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he takes no shit from 3PO either. He right. takes absolutely he gives zero Fs about, what, about 3PO's stuff, you know. Yeah. What he's throwing out there. That's true. So. And in terms of like a best friend, you want you want a best pal. You want someone who's always going to be there for you. That's gonna that's gonna have your back. That's a hero. Yeah. I I'm I'm on board with R two D two. But in terms of cuteness, mm. I gotta go BB eight. Yeah, okay. Right. So isn't there a theory that's floating around out there that the Star Wars saga movies are 
actually told from R2-D2's perspective because he's always kind of the hero of anything that he's in. Yes. That he is the one that is, uh, how do you say it? I guess projecting the crawl. That he's the one telling the story of the crawl. Yeah. That's that's in the crawl. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I buy that theory, but I just uh, it it rang through my head as we were having the discussion. Yeah, but does that add to his cuteness? To me, that adds to his to his, uh, his legacy, his skills, his mm-hmm. his storytelling ability. He did put three PO's head on backwards. Oh no, that was no, that, no, was, that was Chewbacca. Chewbacca. That was Chewie. Yeah, all right. So there's a, yeah. there there are Wookies and there are droids. Just for the new people that might be on the podcast right now. <laughs> I don't know what those are. And, what are those? All right, well, this is going to end in a tie, guys, and uh, we need I'm Nico. not sure what to do. We, we need, need Nico. Yeah. God, we, we need have, Nico. If, if we've ever, this is the first time we've needed Nico. <laughs> Just kidding, Nico. We need you, man. <laughs> this has been Star Wars Choices. So the worst, the worst part about Greg not having a camera anymore is I don't get to see him dancing to that music. <laughs> I am dancing my ass off right now, guys. <laughs> you, you don't even know. You know, we talked about it on the show before, but I'm going to bring it up again because it was way early, early, early in the run of the Wretched Hive is that mm. if you go back and you listen to any of the Laserdisc commentaries from the uh, early 90s releases of Laserdisc, um, there's there's a couple of guys from the design team, and they talk about the original design for R2-D2 being a ball. Yes. Ah. Oh. And it's amazing that they I – don't, I don't know if that influenced BB-8's design or anything like that, but it was just amazing how, to a T, they were describing BB-8 just picturing it as R2-D2, you know? That's okay. that's what they pictured for the original R2-D2 when they were first designing the droid for it. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's interesting because I there was a documentary out um, about Episode 7, or maybe it's just some like a little – a short or something that's on the Blu-ray – where JJ talks about just sketching BB-8 out on a napkin. Now JJ's a huge fan, so maybe he saw something yeah. from before. But uh, I guess he ske- I mean, what I understood was JJ sketched it out on a napkin and handed it to the robot guys and said, "Hey, can you build this?" Yeah. And Sparrow was born. That that's kind of appropriate because George Lucas designed the Millennium Falcon by looking at a hamburger patty and some olives <laughs> and said, "Here, go forth and make this." All of Star Wars designed in coffee shops or across the, uh, the United yeah. States of America. Well, right, a- a- right after he needed a bib for some tuna. <laughs> <laughs> what do we call this character? He was having calamari for that tuna. night, wasn't he? I, I thought it was calamari. <laughs> in Jamaica with his mom. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my calamari. No, it's yours, mom. Oh. How do you explain the Nymodians or whatever they're called? Oh, yeah, God. Maybe we'll have to do a racism in Star Wars show. Let's do that. Every everything from the late '90s was the racism years. Is all it was. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have a lot of news to cover. We're gonna dive right in here Let's from ABC this. News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Well, guys, our our slate of news is kind of all over the place this week, and we're going to start with an article that was published, uh, well, as the show airs a couple of weeks ago now. Comicbook.com, what the Disney-Fox merger means for Marvel and Star Wars. And uh, this is uh, published on... 
comicbook.com, July 27th. Barring a catastrophic last-minute development, it now appears as though Disney's purchase of 21st Century Fox's entertainment assets will go through. Now, that's any changes since then? Dave, Greg, no. do we have... Okay, all right. So this is still marching forward. Good. Okay, all right. So um, the geek sphere is set to be more impacted than anything else with big changes coming down the pike for Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Star Wars films. All right, so this is, this is the part of the article that relates to Star Wars. And uh, third paragraph here. Star Wars is likely the most immediate with the fewest implications for future films. Disney now owns or will own at the beginning of the new year sometime when the deal officially closes the rights to all of the Star Wars films free and clear for the purposes of home video and streaming releases. Now, that last part is what I really wanted to hit on because as we know, Dave, Disney's planning this new streaming channel. Are we going to have access to all of the Star Wars films, the entire Star Wars catalog on this channel? Or is it going to be the TV stuff? What What have you heard about this? I, I've heard some mixed things about this. Okay. So they're going to have all of the rights except for, as I understand it, cable and associated streaming rights for the now, you know, quote-unquote, original six movies. Those are locked up through Turner Broadcasting through 2024. And Disney has been trying to buy those back, and Turner has laughed, realized that they own something incredibly in demand by Disney, and are basically asking for the sun, the moon, and the stars, and Bob Iger's left testicle. <laughs> Bob Iger. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, except it sounds more like Bob Iger after this procedure. <laughs> But they do own the, the theatrical stuff. They'll own the home video distribution rights. Now, Comic Book says that you may even see something this holiday. I don't think you're going to just because, one, the deal hasn't closed yet. So why do anything that's going to over, you know, that might risk complicating things? And, two, next year they can, they can do, once the deal is closed, a complete box set of everything all of the movies after episode 9 comes out and that's the thing that people might actually buy yeah. I'm not going to buy a set of 1 through 8 and then have to buy 9 to stick on the end of it I'm going to wait until the whole thing comes out what's more interesting to me is that I have seen mixed reporting on would this lead to any kind of you know quote unquote original edition of the movies being released and we all talk about that and how the original edition is kind of a mythical holy grail you can never really get down to it but from what i've read in some other sources there is some kind of a weird deal that lucasfilm or george lucas had in relation to all of this that is not affected by who owns fox or lucasfilm or anything like that and those original versions of the movie are still not something that is able to be put out and i still i want to see some more reporting on that and see some people dig into it because it's not impossible but I'm very curious how that actually got structured or, or worked into things if it's in fact true wow but because yeah we've, but, we've kind of been joking about that that is the holy grail that we're never going to see it and so what and, I'm hearing you say is maybe people are talking about that yeah and if there was some kind of a clause somewhere oh. in the deal with Fox you know that Lucasfilm originally had with Fox that's not going to be affected by any of these transactions. But somebody who is 
much more enterprising than I am and has many more connections than I do is going to have to be the one to dig into that and figure that out. Because obviously, if Disney could put you know versions of those movies out there, all you know, all three of the original trilogy, people are going to buy them. People are absolutely going to buy them. Yeah, Scott, are are you? Would you be interested in buying a box set with episode one through nine? Yeah. Uh, let's let's just shoot for the moon here. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna live in the clouds for a second. Okay. Um, let's just say you can you can a- any version you want, whatever your mind canon is, you get that version of the film. Are you gonna buy that box set? Uh, yeah. That's that's nope. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Okay. If it's all originals, I will buy that. I have so many variations of these films right now that I would love to have just a pure, unaltered box set of those films. So what's interesting to me about this unaltered conversation, and, mm-hmm. and I, I, I also want to hear Greg weigh in on this because um, I think he's, he's got an opinion on this one, is that... Greg, is there is is it possible to define what the original release is was of these movies? Because, in particular, with Episode Four, it was released on a like a wave across the country, and Lucas was still editing, and making changes as it was being released. I'm wait. Greg's going to answer this, but I want to get into a serious discussion with Greg because there are documents that actually cover this, but. Greg, I, w- I totally want to hear everything you say about this. Yeah, there are there are websites dedicated to the amount of edits that have been made on on episode four alone. Yes, and they are just voluminous. Everything that's out there. Um, I so as far as finding what the definitive version of or cut or whatever you want to call, I it, it's it's almost impossible because there are so many versions of it that are out there at this point that I don't know I don't know how you get there. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that real quick with Greg. Um, I I'm gonna go so far, and I'm probably gonna get a lot of heat for this. So please, actually, fans, anyone that listens to this show that has an opposing opinion on this, please send information to us. Call our hotline. Send us Facebook messages. I don't care. Give us some feedback because seriously, I would narrow it down to two versions that exist that I would consider original. And honestly, it breaks it down to soundtrack and not visual. Because we can debate and argue all the changes that Lucas made from 1976 prior to the actual release. I think the original filming stopped around somewhere around November, December. Mm. But let's go further and say two copies were made that were sent out at the time. There was the 35mm print and then there was the Dolby 70mm print. There were two audio differences there, and I would love to hear those two on a soundtrack, a separate audio track, hmm. somewhere down the line with the original uh, video presentation. If anyone knows what that is, send us yeah, send us but, a link. Yeah. But at this point, without having any anything close to an original master, I mean, how do you even determine what that is, Scott? I just I, I I'm not asking to be to be flippant about it. I just I I I don't know how you get there, and I'm curious as to how you would find that. Well, this is something I'm going to say just to get it out there. You have one? I don't <laughs> I don't have a, no, but almost. How about that? Let's put that oh. out there. 
that and, the the word that we have heard for years and years is that Lucas destroyed all original print copies of it. Right. I'm gonna say this right now, and I don't care if people want to send hate mail to me. <laughs> it's bullshit. Hmm. It is. They exist, and I actually have proof. How do you know that? Because I know somebody who has a copy. Is this individual an employee at a nearby university? I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> All right. Yes. I know you have some connections. I do. You've, you've said too much. I have seen actual footage. How about that? Okay. How about that? So what's why haven't you gone in there with the DVD player and burned that shit yet? Who says I have? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I can't. The, I can't the Lucasfilm say police are going to get down here to Long Beach and. I'm trying to get their Do attention. Hey, Lucasfilm, come <laughs> listen to our little show. We might actually have some information for you. Oh my God. Okay. Seriously, if Steve ever got a cease and desist letter from Lucasfilm, it would be framed on the wall right next to that Mark Hamill autographed picture that he has. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. Let's yeah, in it. my jail cell. Let's <laughs> get it. Let's get it. Uh, oh, my gosh. All right. Well, you know, okay, so my – what I want yeah. – and this also goes back to the early days of The Wretched Hive – I want a Blu-ray or a digital copy that I can pick and choose the scenes how I want them. Like, if I want R2 hiding behind a mask behind the rock in the special editions or not, I can choose that. But in the next scene, I might want the the uh, original sound of the crate dragon rather than the special edition sound. I was going to uh, say, you want that goofy-ass, like... <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Sounds like something like John Williams playing on the keyboards. I, um, I, but I want I want to make Steve's version yeah. of Episode Four. I don't want Episode Four in in the uh, uh, in the scroll in the beginning of the film. I don't want it to say Episode. I just want it to say Star Wars. Yep. You know, and you can pick and choose what you want. How cool would that be? Oh, and you be... could watch it the way you hey. want. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure book. It's Star Wars. No, but you would yeah. have the original. You would have the special editions. You would have the ones that we've had, the 77 and at least the 97 and the 2004 versions. Yeah. However, I would like R2 behind a rock wearing the Hamburglar mask. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's Star Wars mix and match. You Let's know those books that are like Why not? The, the top one-third of the page is the face, <laughs> and the middle third is the body, and then the bottom third is the legs? It's like that, except with Star Wars. That's right. Let's wrong, do it. What's wrong with that? No, 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 no. Let's do it. Let's get on it, Lucasfilm. Right. Yeah. I would pay top dollar for that. <laughs> I would pay 50 bucks. 50 bucks. For a Blu-ray that I could customize in that in that way, and I own already 17 copies of that film. Yeah, I'll buy another one. Do you you know what? This is something we need to do on the show. How many copies Ooh. do each one of us own combined? Oh, you're gonna win that one. No, no, oh, no. combined. <laughs> no, combined. Well, well, see, the problem is is I offloaded a bunch of them. I I finally I finally cut the cord on a bunch of them, and I offloaded. So I I am down to who the um, hell are you? Who the hell uh, are you? He's digital. I know it's he crazy, right? But I, um, so I, I'm down to, uh, just DVDs. I don't, I haven't bought Blu-rays because I, I just haven't felt the need to really do it one more time. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm down to the DVDs that have the, um, special release. And then they, it was that one edition that came out with the bonus disc was the original theatrical release of the movie. So that's actually the only, mm. uh, uh, no, it's not the only, because the other one I have is the first 
DVD release. They had the Empire of Dreams documentary as well. So That's those a, yeah. those are the two versions that I have. Yeah, those those uh, were the second disc. The bonus disc had the original versions. They're yeah. not. Everyone complained because they were just ported over from one of the last Laserdisc transfers. Yeah, they're not cleaned up at all. They're yeah. dirty as hell. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the it's the last official release to date of the original theatrical release movies. Wow. Yeah. Quote, were, quote, quote, unquote, original. And they were not anamorphic or transferred to, to fit widescreen television, so you have to actually force your television to stretch them out and all mm. that. It's really awkward. So Han's face looks like it's two feet wide? Well, yeah, like unless you do it yeah. right where you position it into the screen. It's, uh, okay. you got to mess mm. with your settings for a while. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm excited about this. I hope, I hope we get that you know that disc that you can customize or whatever i i want to see the original release on a disc on a re-release from lucasfilm with the original nine films oh my god i'm in well i'm gonna throw a surprise in for you guys Ooh. how about that is that okay just do it dave greg are you guys yep. good you've I'm made more... dvds for, for everybody from that copy that your friend has i'm doing something better i'm trying to Wait. get something lined up do i need to play this please, do i please yeah all right Scott, do you own The Last Jedi? Uh, no, I do not. You are fake news. Wow. I think that Jameson has, has warped Scott's brain over the years, and I think he's just blacked out all of the 90s. Don't be rude. I just want things to be factually correct. Is that too much to ask? Is that really too much to ask? We are fighting the fake news. It's fake. Phony. Fake. Okay, let me take a deep breath and a big swig of Jameson's. Here we go. Because I've been nice to Scott. Scott! Hello, Scott. Oh, oh, oh my God! It's ridiculous. <laughs> Scott Watch 2018. You like the oh, oh, oh my God! Yeah. All <laughs> right, Scott Watch 2018. <laughs> Unplanned. Yes. On the Wretched Hype podcast. No other podcast anywhere online has Scott Watch. No. This don't. is a. Richard Hive original. Scott, what, what do you got for us? First of all, I yeah. love that that thing is a minute long. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that I is know, awesome. I you get, it's the longest. That's what she said. It's the, long, <laughs> it's the longest segment we have. So, Damn right. So, Scott, what, what, what's your news around Scott Watch, my friend? Based off of what we were discussing, I'm actually working on something where we actually get to have a live presentation of that particular print. Of episode eight? Episode four. Oh, or... The bad, the bad news is, is it's all going to be done via slides. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared uh, for things, six and a half hours. Those things jam. Remember the automatic slide changer, and it would <laughs> get stuck. Are you kidding me? Uh, I do those okay. all the time. I still do that. Oh my god! All right, so, all right, so let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying that you are, tr you are close to confirming us being able to view. A print of the original film. How about this? I'll even specify. Okay. A 1977 35 millimeter print. Shut the front door. Are you serious? Original audio. Everything. Wow. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm working on it. All right. I'm working on it. Okay. This is a new. This is a new uh, yeah. addition to Scott Watch. Now this is with more than just the Last Jedi. This is hooking the wretched hive up. Let's add to the actual Scott Watch. I have not bought The Last Jedi. <laughs> All right, just to clarify, thank I'm you. I'm so sorry, All guys. Right. All right. I'm so sorry. Well, how exciting. All right, well, keep us posted yes. on that. Well, 
I am sad, Scott, that you have not purchased The Last Jedi yet so you can watch the fantastic documentary, The uh, Director and the Jedi. But I'm also very, very pleased so that we get to continue Scott Watch 2018. Yes. So good. That Director and the Jedi. Oh, my God. How have you not seen that yet? Man, you guys are killing me. And that's – oh, shoot. <laughs> I didn't have the segment ready, but I'm working on it. it might, working. That's okay. It might be the one of the best Star Wars documentaries I've seen. I oh, mean, it's definitely top three. No, you're killing – What? okay, what's what's your top three? Tell me what's your top three. Empire oh, of Dreams. Um, I will say um, Star Weight. Oh, Number one. Oh, love fan, that the, one. The fan one. The fan one. Yes, yep. yes. That's love a good that one. one. And then I think it's uh, to, from Empire to Jedi. Yes. Or from Star Wars to Jedi. Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a saga. I love yes, that one as yes. well. So Original that, VHS. Yes, yes. And I have it on VHS still. Was that originally a? I do remember that one. But was that originally a made-for-TV documentary, or was it released via home for home video? No, I think it was made for TV and was released yeah. on home video. Okay, as one of the bonus okay. videotapes for the first box set in the early. 80s? Yeah, good pull. Yeah, eighty-four. That's the one. Mark uh, Hamill narrates part yes. of that. It's it's really good. Yes, it I is love, really good. I love yeah. That one. You know, I do have a documentary where C-3PO narrates the entire documentary. Would you like a copy of that? Uh, no, I'll burn it. Okay. All okay. Right. You mean on I'll disc? I'll burn, burn it on a disc. <laughs> that's, that's when you say burn it, you mean burn it onto a disc yeah, is what you're Yeah, that's what right? I meant. I no, still, I, no, I, no, I would like to see that, actually. I don't think I I've seen it. I still think that the documentary on The Phantom Menace right. is one of the better documentaries that was made. All right. All right hang on. I, I, have, I have a challenge here. Okay. I have a challenge here. All right. Scott, if you get to sit with Steve and make him watch the documentary narrated by C-3PO. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Already this if is not Steve good. agrees to do that, Scott, would you purchase The Last Jedi? That's the admission ticket to be able to torture Steve that way. Oh, damn. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. That is, that is really, really not okay. I cannot believe you just did that, and he agreed wait, wait, to it. Wait, wait, Shit, because there... now it's Steve Watch. <laughs> it is. Steve Watch. Wait, uh, there, there, are some, there are some rules to this. Uh, what yeah. version do I need to purchase? What version of episode eight, you mean? Yeah. Oh, whichever one has the director and the Jedi. That's a, it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. It's your <laughs> stupid idea, Dave. You you tell him. That's I'm 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 with Greg. Whatever allows you to get to the documentary as okay. well. That right. that's fine. Yeah. Whether it's digital, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, it's fine. Okay. As long as you get the ver. As long as it's a, something that you have and you own. Okay. Can we can we all just back up for a minute and and, and express our shock that. One of Scott's favorite documentaries, Star Wars documentary specifically, is for the Phantom Menace. Hashtag Christine Hulk was right yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was setting you guys up for that. I was waiting. Thank you, Greg, for oh, uh, following through on that one. Uh, Tee it up. Knock it out oh, of the park. Oh, my God. Uh, well, uh, first of all, Dave, thanks for that. <laughs> And I You're love welcome. that we are 40 minutes into the show, and the biggest news story that we've covered is Scott Watch. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the hey. Wretched Hive, once again, is the focus of news on the Wretched Hive. That's because we rule. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I, 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 I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's time because we do not hate Audible 
Audible.com. In fact, we Hello. love we love Audible.com. They are your number one source for audiobooks and spoken content on the internet. Audible.com service is bar none. And for you, listeners of the Wretched Hive podcast, Audible is offering, in conjunction with the Wretched Hive, a free 30-day trial so you can try it out. And you get a free audiobook just for checking out the service. And all you need to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash hive, H-I-V-E, to claim your free audiobook. Now, as you know, we always have a sample book. And last episode, we sampled Thrawn Alliances by Timothy Zahn. And I had the opportunity to finish the Audible version of Thrawn Alliances. It's great. Really enjoyed it. And I know, Dave, you're reading it, and I hope to to hand it off to you to to do a a review maybe in the next episode or two. But I noticed something really interesting once I started listening to the Audible version of Thrawn Alliances. It's read by Mark Thompson, who's done a lot of books, a lot of audio uh, recording for Star Wars and for the Star Wars universe. There are so many different voices in this book, you kind of forget it's one guy. Mark Thompson does an amazing job with this book. But I want to play a clip for you. This is uh, from Thrawn Alliances. This is Mark Thompson. You're going to hear Thrawn. You're going to hear a couple different voices, but you're going to hear Thrawn. And I want you to tell me who Thrawn sounds like. So this is Mark Thompson uh, narrating Thrawn Alliances by Timothy Zahn. Check this out. The Chimera's officers and crew are more than adequate to their tasks, Lord Vader, Thrawn said. Commodore, if there is indeed a wayward mass affecting us, perhaps some forward movement will take us clear of its shadow and effect. So that's that's Thrawn's voice in the audio version of Thrawn Alliances. Does he remind you of anyone? I'm going to play the same clip at 75% speed. All right, same exact clip, 25% slower. See if this helps you catch on. The Chimera's officers and crew are more than adequate to their tasks, Lord Vader. Thrawn said. Commodore, if there is indeed a wayward mass affecting us, perhaps some forward movement will take us clear of its shadow. <laughs> Thrawn is Jack Sparrow. I was going to say, all I'm getting in that, out of that is Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. oh. Thrawn and Jack Sparrow, same per You've never seen those two in a room together. Oh my God. They are the same person. Somebody needs to get Mark Thompson to say, why is the rum always gone? Oh. There are a couple moments that I've encountered so far where all it really needs is Thrawn to go, and today will forever be remembered as the day. That Grand Admiral Thrawn made his escape. <laughs> it's so good. And Mark Thompson, his Vader, I mean, I don't know if there's a synthesizer on his voice or whatever, but Vader and Thrawn have a tremendous amount of dialogue together in this book, and he does an outstanding job with both characters. And you can download Thrawn Alliances today for free. All you need to do is go to audibletrial.com 
forward slash hive. That's audibletrial.com forward slash hive to claim your free audiobook. Check it out. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the Wretched Hive Podcast. You know, Johnny Depp has been having some money issues recently, so maybe Mark Thompson is just like a pseudonym. Maybe that actually is Johnny Depp. <laughs> you know, it took so, me a while to get past it, because like the first 10 minutes, I'm like, oh my god, Jack Sparrow's in Star Wars. <laughs> and then the story, the, the story is great. It's a really fun read, and, and I, I kind of got past it after about 10 minutes, but check it out. So, it's really good. So, Steve, let me ask you a question, and maybe there's no way to have a discussion on this since you've now finished the story, yeah. and I have not. I'm on about page 150 or so. Okay. But one thing that kind of strikes me about the dynamic you're talking about there when it's when it's Vader and Thrawn is Thrawn, I think, was so effective in that original trilogy, the Zahn trilogy that was put out, because there was this tremendous bad guy vacuum that was created without Vader and the Emperor. And so you have Thrawn there, and he's just he's at the top of the org chart no matter what. He is always the most menacing person whenever he's on camera or in frame on the page. Yeah. And now that he's kind of sharing time with Vader or the Emperor or whoever, he's kind of in a subservient role. And I feel like that takes a little bit – it robs the character a little bit. And I'm still kind of wrestling with that as I work through the story. And I'm, I'm also struck by having to have Vader talk so much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everything Vader says should just be menacing. I mean, if the man asks you a question, you should feel like you're about to die if you don't get this right. If the man sings you happy birthday, you should feel like you're about to die. But maybe it'll be a merciful death because it's your birthday. And so having him just do kind of a, a casual back and forth at times with Thrawn or other characters, I'm like, it, it's diminishing the badness of Darth Vader to me. Yeah, I I get that. I get why you would feel that way. Um, having read the entire book now, it almost feels like um, an essay on the the personalities and the differences between what are arguably the two most badass characters in the Star Wars universe. Um, and there are stark stark differences by the end of the book. And I, I can't give too much away here, but it's really clear the motivation for each character is painfully clear and how they play off each other and how one uses the other and vice versa. It's it's fascinating and it's a really great character study. Uh, Timothy Zahn, in my opinion, again, knocked it out of the park with this one. Highly, highly recommend um, but I, I I don't want to talk about it too much because I want you to finish it and then we can we can it's, delve deep into it. It's fair that your your reaction is at least not you know Dave you're crazy I don't know what you're talking about so no, that I, that makes me feel good at least. You're definitely yeah. onto something there for sure. You know, okay. I, do, I don't have a whole lot of experience with the expanded universe, but uh, I've read a few of them and and I think the thing and I haven't finished the the heir to the empire trilogy where Thrawn was introduced way back in the day, oh, wow. but I have I have started some of it and it's interesting because Thrawn is your villain the weird thing about these books now for me is that it's about Thrawn but you know he's the anti-hero of the book and I think that takes away and it's the same thing for Vader kind of takes away from the villainy of the character because you don't want to at least from the way I see these books you don't want to write the book where the guy is just awful because then you're you're you don't want to root for the bad guy but then why buy the book 
if it's if if he doesn't have anything redeeming about him. Well, Greg, you're talking about the Heir to the Empire trilogy, is that correct? Well, I'm comparing the Heir to the Empire trilogy with the like the Thrawn Alliance with well with both the Thrawn books that have come out now. Um, I'm I'm comparing and I'm I'm comparing the two books because in the in the old trilogy he you know he was just the straight up villain of those stories, mm-hmm. and in these ones now he's he's kind you know he's still a villain quote unquote but he is you know he's the antihero of the story. Huh. Okay. I think antihero is a is a good way to describe him because you you can't help but to root for him because his intellect uh, is so superior to everyone else's on the page that you kind of you kind of appreciate who he is and what he stands for even though his his the ultimate um, the result of his intellect is our evil things um, at the end of the book you're sort of rooting for him so it is an interesting dichotomy there he's a smart villain yeah. But here's the thing. That was already pre-set up. Minus the fact that it is no longer expanded universe, you can still yeah. look at those original uh th- that original trilogy, uh the Zon trilogy, and you can look at that that character was set up a certain way to add a different dynamic to that villain or villainous type character. And as opposed to Vader who is menacing and scary and does horrific things, there was a difference in a clash of two different personality types. So not knowing what these new books are like, I haven't read them yet. Mm. I would love to go into read on, read these new Thrawn books uh, and, and see how they're playing him off against uh, like Vader. And you said the emperor's in mm-hmm. this too. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because when you really learn his backstory or part of his backstory in those original trilogy books, and then I think uh, uh, Zahn did two more Thrawn books mm-hmm. that are now no I've longer... got the first one in hard copy. I'll give mm. it to you. Right. You're learning a lot about this character who is still, even during those books, is, are very sympath- is a very sympathetic character. You still feel... He's a villain, but you feel that he is a different type of villain. Mm-hmm. And I loved how Zahn played that character off. So I'm well, curious I, about these new ones. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the Vader-Thrawn stuff so far is like the darkest buddy cop adventure I have ever encountered really? in my life cuz it's yeah cuz it's not there's no good cop bad cop scenario like when they're they're interrogating somebody at one point I mean it's bad cop and badder cop yeah okay <laughs> yeah very much so okay it's it's um Thrawn is his intellect is so um so much larger than Vader's frankly yeah and Vader's uh, Vader is just so much more of a blunt tool, yeah. Than Thrawn, it, it's an it, they make an interesting pair, yeah. Because you've got this ultimate intellect with this ultimate hammer, yeah. And uh, it's it's interesting. It's almost like an L.A. Confidential thing between the two oh. uh, cops yeah, that are in that. Yeah, to that. yeah. 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 Actually, and Bud White, except there's not really a Kim Bassinger. Thank equivalent God. in there but that would be real I, I actually I've enjoyed the Thrawn Anakin interactions even more so than the Thrawn Vader interactions really yeah just because I feel like Anakin's obviously hiding something at that point because of his relationship status with Amidala so it, it's it, it there's a little more tension involved with it oh it takes me. place during that time it, it, it's it's two stories. There's a Thrawn Anakin storyline and there's a Thrawn Vader storyline, and it it 
the portion I've read at least takes place on Batu, which was bugging me for a while, and then I felt stupid when I looked it up. I'm like, oh, this is Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. This is the planet of Galaxy's Edge. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're totally setting up the Disney Park opening for next year. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so almost each chapter goes at then and now where they have Thrawn and Anakin on yeah. it, you know, um, a mission together okay. and they have Thrawn and Vader. Uh, oh. so it's in, in, in the now. So it's, 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 uh, it's a great concept, well executed. And there, you know, I, I would not be shocked at all if there was a Thrawn trilogy of films or if he was a major, major player in a Star Wars television show, which we're going to talk about in a moment here. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Guys, we need to move on, and we've got the ongoing saga to take a little uh, lane change away from Star Wars here to the Guardians of the Galaxy universe with James Gunn. So the outpouring and support of James Gunn has continued this week. With Kurt Russell, of course, uh, star of one of the stars of the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy movie, movies, um, backing James Gunn, came out and said um, he didn't actually say. This is a reading from Mashable.com. He didn't actually say Disney must rehire Gunn, but it's clear that he feels Gunn was fired in error. Uh, he said, it's sad, but it's part of our fabric now, and I get it, Russell told Variety on Saturday. But I do think we're getting a little too sensitive on maybe some of the wrong people. So this is another major star coming out in support of director James Gunn. In the meantime, while Disney wrestles what to do with what to do with James Gunn, other studios are starting to think, well, geez, maybe we should hire this guy. Super successful director, knows what he's doing behind the camera, might be available soon. Let's hire James Gunn, which really is putting more pressure on Disney to rehire him. This is HollywoodReporter.com. James Gunn in demand for major studio movies after Disney firing. One executive at a rival studio quoted as saying in this article, I'd work with him in a heartbeat. Um, I've been advised that we can't bring anything to him until the Disney matter is 100% resolved. Uh, but clearly there's an interest in working with, with James Gunn. Uh, Dave, is Disney going to rehire James Gunn? I think it's possible. I, I, there, I'm inferring a lot of moving parts and going by memory here, but... By memory, my recollection is that Gunn was signed to a contract, so he's not an at-will employee like all of us are. We can be fired if our bosses decide they want to fire us. He's under contract, so if he's fired, he still do a lot of money unless they can prove he breached the contract, and I'm not an attorney. I'll defer to Greg on this, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be hard to prove he breached a contract for something he did prior to signing the contract. So yeah. if they don't want to work with him anymore, they have to pay him a shit ton of money to not work with him anymore, which obviously they don't want to do. Now, and this is something unknown, but I'm going to just speculate on this. But uh, talking about contracts, after making $1.5 billion for a company, wouldn't there be some smart moves on his part and his agents and, and whatnot 
to renegotiate that contract. Do you think those negotiations probably took place and that he is probably well, when you say shit ton, you literally mean a shit ton of money, Dave. Well, but yeah, my recollection is he was not only signed to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but that he was signed and was being talked about as kind of an architect for the cosmic wing of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is supposed to take great flight, you know, in Phase 4 here, coming up after 2019. After Avengers so when 4. They, yeah. yeah, after Avengers 4 and after Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, uh, the, the remaining two movies for 2019 that have been announced. So it, firing him is not just a matter of, oh, now we need to find a director for this movie. They have to go out and find an architect for all, you know, all these other projects that have not been announced yet. And that's even assuming they want to keep the script that he's written for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So what that what that nameless executive said, you know, I can't say anything until the dis we can't present it with anything until the Disney matter is resolved. That says to me he's still under contract and it hasn't been worked out yet. I find it very interesting that Gunn has said nothing since this all happened outside of his basic, you know, I'm accepting it and I'm I'm walking away, which is much more mature and classier than I think I would have been able to do in that scenario. Yeah. And Marvel Studios itself has not said anything to my knowledge. So Dis Disney, the parent of Marvel, is the one that, that you know, quote-unquote, fired Gunn, but Marvel Studios has not said or done anything. They haven't... There's no even public rumblings of, we're searching for somebody to replace James Gunn. So I, I do feel like they're looking for some kind of way out here, and they just don't know what that way out is. Well, so I, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm hoping people keep the campaign and the pressure up. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 I think, I think, go ahead, Steve. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, I, I'd like Greg to weigh in here because what Greg, what is the right move for Disney here? Do they, do I, they rehire him or do they stick to their guns? No pun intended. Well, well I, I'm sticking. I, I'm, 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 I'm not coming from a, probably the most practical or pragmatic point of view. I'm coming strictly from the heart. I think that they should just rehire him. I think that they, 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 would have I, I don't think anybody would have a problem if they came out and said, "Look, <clears throat> we've gauged the situation and we gauged it incorrectly. We want to welcome him back into the fold. We realize that the support that that the support is there and that the accusations that were made were stuff that was addressed a long time ago. You know, they they they're not standing behind it. They're not they're not supporting what he said back in the day. Just like everybody has done, they said they don't condone that sort of thing." They can be happy that he's learned from his past and that he's grown into the better person and can lead them into, you know, into the future and, and lead the, 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 the Marvel cosmic galaxy like they want him to do. Yeah. And, and by the way, the, that would be the right thing to do. It yeah, really and, would. And they could even say, and by the way, we've added a morals clause into the relationship and contract so that if there is any even hint or inkling that this behavior has not been left in the past, then he will be gone and that decision will be final and will not be revocable. Sure. Yeah, say we're keeping him on a short leash, but we trust yeah. that he's grown as a person and that he'll do what he said he was going to do. And for the uninitiated, can can someone explain what the Marvel Cosmic Galaxy is? <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess it, so. There's the yeah. there's the Marvel, you know, the the Marvel universe as it is in the movies is just 
things relatively taking place on Earth. And you get a hint oh, at that there's more to the galaxy that's yeah. out there with the Guardians. And there's other aliens and other races. Well, you see them a lot in the Fantastic Four, if you read any of those books. You see them a lot in the Silver Surfer type, type of books. Um, Adam Warlock, Captain Marvel, like, like I mentioned before. See, Captain Marvel is really going to be the bridge to the other side of the other side of the Marvel universe because the guardians have just kind of been out there on their own. Yeah. Captain Marvel kind of lives both, both worlds. Guardians introduced us to a new universe. Basically. Uh, Dr. Strange was another stepping stone in the right direction for this much bigger, vast universe. And then what Greg was saying, Captain Marvel is really going to push us into a whole new realm, basically where you're going to see a lot of the stuff that's been introduced bit by bit, little pieces, but, uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to touch on one thing real quick. I don't. I, from a business sense, everything our guys are talking about here, Greg and Dave, uh, makes total sense to me. I think the bigger thing for Disney to do is do the right thing, step up and say, "Look, we made a judgment call based off of what we know from the past. We made a mistake. We've reevaluated mm-hmm. it, like you guys just mentioned, and we realized that we as a company made a mistake." Marvel stuck to their guns, didn't say anything. James Gunn didn't do it. I mean, basically just said he'd step away. And now it was up to Disney who pulled the trigger and fired him. I think Disney needs to own up to that. And if Disney does, they're going to look so much better in the light of the fans and everybody else, but also from a business standpoint. You know, Scott, that is actually a really good point. How often do we see big corporate entities say you know what we blew it yeah we want to make amends and we're going to fix this i mean not just corporate entities but just almost any business entity or any individual say that um certainly um our our government officials are reticent to say i wasn't going to bring that up Uh, yes but i mean how cool would it be i mean disney could really that would go a long way to solving what really is a pr nightmare for them it really it really would um honest to god people are more forgiving with the fact that somebody can own up to the fact that they said, hey, we made a judgment call and we were wrong. Yeah. Greg, you wanted to weigh in. Well, I just I just don't know that. And and I'm the one who started that saying they should admit their mistake. And I would love to see them do that. But in in the days when you answered a stockholder for for a, a high level executive to come out and say they were wrong about a judgment call is pretty yeah. much a fireable offense at this point. So true. It, I it's very hard for them to come out and say, oh, you know what, our bad, you know, as, as we're in charge of this, you know, bazillion dollar company that controls 50% of all media at this point, we made a mistake. Somebody's going to get fired over that shit. Actually, so. go ahead, Scott. Well, I'm going to say I, I agree with what Greg's saying right here. However, it's Disney, and you're talking about some, like, some huge, huge people involved here. So let's just pull Bob Iger out of this. I'm going to use him as an example. Let's Bob just, Iger. Yes, thank you, Bob. <laughs> I don't have my Bob Iger queued no, up tonight. But we got uh, we we've got you. We've got right, you. Thanks, we got talent. Thanks, guys. So got my back. You have somebody like a a Bob Iger stand up and say, you know, look, we made a judgment call on this. Um, we can fix this. Bob Iger can spin that to a certain extent. Now his enthusiasm may be way low, but he can still pull this off and make it look like it benefited the company because they needed time to reevaluate the entire situation. Mm. I think he could do it. And yes, if let's talk about stockholders for one second. I know Dave's really into this stuff, so let's talk about that. Would would Disney take a hit? 
I would say they would take a small, small hit and they would recover and bounce back so much more. They could spin that in the sense that they would recover economically, no problem. No question to ask. I mean, seriously, with Marvel and Star Wars and whatever else they have, their entities, I mean, their live action remakes of all of their classic animation films, they're making billions and billions of dollars. A hit to them right now is nothing. Mm. It's a speed bump. Well, I wonder what the the hierarchical structure is there. I mean, who who would fire James Gunn? Was it Bob Iger? Bob Iger. <laughs> it was it was Alan Horn, I think, who fired. Who's like the Ooh. the head of Disney okay. Creative Studios? Okay, because it wouldn't be Feige, right? Feige, you know, Feige, Feige. Marvel Studios was not to yeah. any of the news reports that I've read directly involved with the firing of James Gunn. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That came out. from the hier- the hierarchical corporate parent over all of them. Okay. In fact, that's a great point, uh, Dave, because I another article that I don't have queued up here but was suggesting that the Marvel folks were openly lobbying for them to rehire yeah. James Gunn. I'm I'm sure they are. I'm sure that's why we haven't heard one damn peep out of them yeah. publicly. And, and, and by the way, they, as they should be too. So they should yeah. be well, lobbying and, hard for that return. And, However, and by the way, yeah. if anybody's White House, I'm not even singling out the Trump White House here, if anybody's White House could keep on the same script of not saying a goddamn thing to the media yeah. for this length of time, <laughs> the, the country would probably be a lot more secure. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe Bob Iger will run. Bob Iger. You never know. <laughs> All right, now that I have a cue, I have to use it. All right, guys, let's let's move on from this. Um, reported just this week as we record the show, just yesterday, plot details of John Favreau's Star Wars series were revealed, reportedly revealed. Allegedly. Allegedly being reported by comicbook.com. Uh, the Star Wars live-action series from John Favreau has been shrouded in secrecy ever since it was first announced. Disney's new streaming service, but we might have learned some intriguing details. It'll all take place on Kashyyyk. It sounds like (laughs) 10 minutes of silence, the the front part of every episode. It will all take place at Millican High School in Scott's backyard. There you go. The report from Making Star Wars states the series could be taking place, and I love these references, could be taking place three years after the destruction of the second Death Star. Okay, so that's after Jedi. And the death of the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. The series would be about Mandalore falling into a state of turmoil with many parties working to restore the planet to its rightful place with those effects reverberating across the galaxy. So this is in the time period between Jedi and The Force Awakens and taking place... Uh, central to Mandalore. The story would be central to Mandalore. What do you guys think? That's kind of cool. I like it. You know, they've 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 gone into on Rebels at least. I don't know. Yeah. And well, I know they did on Clone Wars as well. There was a yes. there was a big Mandalore storyline in Clone Wars, but there was a big Mandalore presence in Rebels as well. And yeah, there's there's a lot of good history to be had there outside of what everybody knows is Boba Fett. You know. Yeah. That wimp. Yeah, puss. that's right. Well, talking about Boba Fett, uh, actor Jeremy Bullock retired this week from cons. He's not doing any more cons. Uh, He released a uh, press 
release, allow myself to introduce myself. Uh, <laughs> at uh, And this is what's cool. I love this about uh, Jeremy Bullock. He put this out through BobaFettFanClub.com, ah. which is awesome. He says, Dear friends, it's with a heavy heart that I've decided to stop attending conventions and hang up the Fett helmet. It has not been an easy decision to make. In 1979, I was called into the set of Empire Strikes Back to play Boba Fett, and since that day, it has changed the entire direction of my life in such a wonderful way. So Jeremy Bullock announcing his retirement just as we might have a, a series based on Mandalore. Man. Well, the let, irony. Let's be let's be fair. Yes, he's saying retiring from conventions. Ooh, good point, Scott. Yes. So are, he may be able to uh, voice some characters. Is that what you're suggesting? He might even, yeah, or even be in a film. I, well, it's a live TV show, right? That in yeah. theory, yeah. he could make an appearance. Ooh. And has anyone on the on the hive here met Jeremy Bullock? I have not. I'm thinking one of us has. Yeah. I have not. I have not. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I am really surprised at that. Why, Scott? Scott you why don't up. you tell us about it? I just, I was just curious. I didn't know because we've all attended many cons yeah. of some sort, so I didn't actually know. I was sincerely asking, but I didn't. I thought at least Greg would have met. I. I have not. I have not. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, when I when I go to cons, I don't I don't do much of the stand in line to to. Yeah. Well, not that there's much of a line because you know all the cons I've gone to, you could walk right up to like the Lou Ferrigno table or the Richard Hatch <laughs> table before he died, but it, um, yeah, I just I just didn't do that. I just that's not where I would spend my time. So yeah, yeah, I actually did not wait in line to meet Jeremy Bullock. You bump into him on the floor? No, I bumped into all three Boba Fett's at one shot and have a photo of all three of them standing next to each other. Really? I shouldn't say With Boba you? Fett's. All three Fett's. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Daniel Logan, Jeremy Bullock, and, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget his name. Tamara Morrison. Yes, thank you. Nice. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah that cool. was at Celebration 4, and they just happened to be hanging out, and I'm like, oh, I have to go. I have to just be that person. And I did, and it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's great. All three of them there together. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I I had seen a I think I think it was just a Twitter post from some random user, but somebody had put out a post that of Tamura Morrison with a beard and saying, you know, he's the perfect age for it. And then there was a picture of the old Captain Rex that was in the oh, in yeah. the in the Clone Wars. Uh, or in the in the Rebels cartoon yes. where he's older with the beard and bald, fucking dead ringer. Just I'm oh that would be so good to have to, to have him come back and and do a live action role of Captain Rex in in the Disney series or whatever. Yeah, and I will add to that just real quick. Filoni, Dave Filoni confirmed that the the actor that's in Jedi with the beard is Rex. Oh, yes. nice. Wait, in Jedi. Yeah, when they blow, when they're on the Endor moon and they blow up the uh, the the base there that that's uh, generating the force field. Really, there, there's a trooper. Yeah, that's on the side of that building. We we we've covered this, and he he's got the white beard. He looks like an old Captain Rex from um, Rebels. Really, in the or Rebel no from Clone Wars. Sorry, in the Rebel gear. Yes, he's part of the landing party, and Filoni confirmed that that is Rex. 
pretty awesome. Wow. Pretty cool. Okay, this is this is a side note. We've got a ton of stuff I know we're covering, but how many of you knew <laughs> that there was an actual scene in Return of the Jedi where Han Solo is in Imperial garb mm-hmm. tricking the guys inside? Did you know that that was him? Right. Yeah, that's because yeah. because they because they, he's got his he's got his mouth covering his face and he's yeah. and he's on a camera and he's getting them to open the doors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that yeah that's right after he's like, no, wait, I've got an idea. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just this I is just this is sure. a surprise. No, 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 no. It, it <laughs> honestly it it was a surprise. It was a surprise years ago. But okay. But it was one of those things where I was like, how many people know that? Like, because he's in the ADAT, or the, I'm sorry, the ATST, and yeah. he's the one making that broadcast saying the rebels are fleeing. Open up the doors. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I've talked to people where they're like, "That's not Harrison Ford." I'm like, "No, he's in, he's in disguise." True. He just really? put, oh. he just put it, put on a hat and covered his face, guys. Yeah, it's just, they, it's a headshot, right? Right. Are, are these are these guys also surprised that Clark Kent is Superman? I mean, yes, yes <laughs> they are. But. Wait a minute! You take off his glasses; he looks totally different. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is for years when I was well, much younger, but I didn't realize that. It wasn't until way later, after rewatching it multiple times, I'm like, "Oh ah. crap!" Because he says, I, "You know, I've got an idea." Mm. I'm like, "Oh, okay, they're just gonna have some random dude say that the things." And I'm like, "No, that's Han Solo that's doing that." Mm. Didn't know that until, and then to confirm it, Hasbro went out and released a Han Solo and ATST general gear and i was like oh <laughs> son of a bitch it's gotta have another uh that another, explains su- everything I have another surprise for yes, you yes please tell me palpatine no no don't even say it Sidious. <laughs> god yeah yeah what true. is going on in this world <laughs> all right all right uh another so, story i have bruce another wayne. surprise bruce, bruce wayne oh bruce gonna... wayne batman bruce wayne <laughs> batman shut up that is not true yeah the Star a... Wars movies were not released in chronological order. What? I'm out. Oh, that explains a lot. I'm out. Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. There is no way he is Batman. <laughs> you know, you know that uh, really just sweet high school kid that's in in the in the uh, in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Peter Parker. Good kid. Spider-Man. Yeah. No. Okay. No way. All right. Okay. I don't believe it. <laughs> Where's that horse? <laughs> Give me a whip. <laughs> Beating this horse to death. All right. Um, Scott. Yes. No. Why me? <laughs> what am I doing? Why? I don't know. Right, so let, let's get back on track. Let's do this. So, all right. So uh, more more news came from Todd Fisher, yeah. who suddenly is like the source of Star Wars breaking news. Todd Fisher was interviewed and by another podcast, and I can't remember which one it was. Oh, sorry, it was ABC News. Uh, ABC News. Yeah, uh, that re- podcast. The Resistance. Yeah, some little show. Um, <laughs> those well, those he, losers. He said that uh, not only did he reconfirm that now that we know that actually Lucasfilm has confirmed that Leia will be in Episode Nine yeah. uh, using footage from The Force Awakens, we also now have learned from Todd Fisher that. Uh, scenes from The Last Jedi will also be used and intermixed into Episode Nine to tell Leia's story. Now, we assumed that, right? Or we had an idea that that was happening. Well, we only officially heard that it was uh, The Force Awakens, and now Todd Fisher is saying it's also The Last Jedi. How much footage is out there of her that wasn't used? I don't know. 
It's a good question. Dave, you have that uh, Force Awakens, the 3D box, right? The the big mm-hmm. Ultimate yeah. Edition. Was it? Were there extra scenes with her in there? I gotta be honest, I don't remember. There's okay. some cut. There's some cut scenes. Okay. If you bought the Last yeah. Jedi, though, that might jog my memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we're withholding key information from Mr. Ivansky. Only if Steve watches the C-3PO documentary. I am. That's not a good deal for me. All right, guys. (laughs) At the top of the show, I teased that there's a connection between Lost and Star Wars. And I'm about to reveal. J.J. Abrams. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I said no. I said it was not J.J. Abrams. And here, here it is. Evangeline Lilly wanted to play Leia. Ooh wanted to play a young Leia and actually reached out to JJ at some point and said, please, I want to play Leia. In fact, she says when JJ Abrams was, this is uh, by the way, comicbook.com. When JJ first announced that he was going to do his first star Wars film, I reached out to his producing partner for the first time ever since lost ended. And I requested anything and I never requested anything ever before. And I said, I want to be Leia, make me Leia. Lily confirmed at Fan Expo Boston. And what do you guys think of Evangeline Lily as Leia? I kind of, I kind of like it. She could pull off a young Leia. Yeah, but she's... I like, I like Evangeline Lily as anything. Yes, I agree with. I'm that. with you, man. But the way that she's going about this, yeah, is kind of like uh, what's her name from Blade Runner, uh, trying to be Catwoman. Sean Young. Yeah, oh. Sean Young. Oh, yeah. Little, little crazy. It <laughs> She's seems... a little cray-cray anyway, right? But, well, at least she didn't put the cinnamon buns on her head and go into J.J.'s office. And walk in yeah. in character. Yeah. So I'll give her that. But I don't know. I, I, she's great. She's great. I love Evangeline. I thought she was great I... as the Wasp. She was great in Lost. I, I'm a big fan of hers. She yeah. would be great in Star Wars. Yeah. See, I, I get what you're saying, Scott, and I guess where I disagree with you on it is she's not doing this publicly in real time. She's telling an amusing story of, hey, back in you know 2013 when they announced that J.J. Abrams was going to direct a Star Wars movie, she's, I called him at that point and said, I want to be a young Princess Leia for you. And then after it was figured out, oh, yeah, it's going to be Carrie Fisher doing the actual Princess Leia. Yeah. It, you know, it never went anywhere. She's like telling an amusing, embarrassing anecdote about herself five years later. Good with As that. opposed to Sean Young, who showed up for a TV interview dressed in a, in a fucking Catwoman suit. <laughs> All right, guys. Now, I'm a right. little... I'm, I'm a little... Oh, yeah. are, we, are we done? Can I no, move on? No, right. I'm with him on that. I'm we're, with you, We're Dave. pushing up against the clock here, guys, no, trying to get us out of here. Okay. Um, so I, I almost hate to bring this up because I feel like this is going to be a big topic. But if we need to, we'll carry it over for next week. The Oscars... The guys, the oh, Oscars Jesus. added a new category. Popular film. That's right. NBC News and many other outlets reporting that the Oscars have added a new category for this year called... Uh, hold on, let me get it right. I have it written down here. It is Achievement in Popular Film. I can't wait for next year when they come up with the Best Kiss Award. <laughs> Can they get sued? <laughs> Will MTV sue them for that? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, many of the sort of like Hollywood traditionalists are saying, oh, come on, this is just ridiculous. This is flies in the face of what the Oscars stand for. We're talking about um, 
you know, the, the highest sort of production values and the highest achievements oh, yeah. in filmmaking, not the yeah, most the, popular. What is this nonsense? The, the proud achievement in film achieved by such greats as Shakespeare in love. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. You know, it, it really it really downgrades the the work of of movies that actually achieve something. They're actually really good films, um, because then they can't be considered like a popular film. So now it's got to be something you got to go for something that's like inherently unpopular. Or just give it a nomination. And the opposite of that is it takes movies, for example, this year Black Panther, and just says, well, you're just never going to be good enough to uh, compete for a, an Oscar, so we're going to give you a most popular award. It's bullshit. It's complete and total bullshit. It, it's complete bullshit. I want someone to look me in the eye and tell me why Black Panther wouldn't get consideration for the best picture of the year. That's a damn good movie by any standard that you measure. And yeah. frankly, the same thing for Avengers Infinity War. They can teach a writing class for movies off of what they did with the script for Infinity War. It's absolutely masterful. Yeah, and and if you and if you really want to include something like that, give an award for the highest grossing film of the year. Just like take all subjective out of it, and just this is the highest grossing award. Congratulations! Here's your trophy for coming in first place. Yeah, but you know, I right. Oh, if they're gonna go that way, why not? But the Oscars are about technical achievement. And acting prowess, and writing, and directing, and making the the art of making a film, not what's popular. And I and I, I say that while also acknowledging you guys as being spot on with your Black Panther reference, because this article actually references yeah. how Kevin Feige is aggressively shopping the idea of Black Panther as uh, as being a nominee for Best Picture. Sure. And I yeah. I just watched it again. We own it. Um, digitally and that is a really good movie i really enjoy that movie and yes it has cgi up you know coming out of its ears and every other orifice but it's really fun and the acting is good it's well directed it's well written it's well conceived i would totally support that in the best picture uh, category especially now and here's the counter argument to what you guys are saying there are 10 nominees for best picture Oh, that varies. Actually, up to up to ten. Up to ten. So yes. it's not always ten. Yeah. Did we have yeah, less than ten? There's last a minimum. Year? There's a okay. minimum threshold they have to get for support to okay. be considered a best picture nominee. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But that's a you good know you point. yeah you look you look at last year and a movie like Get Out, which was nominated, did not win, but was nominated, never gets nominated for best picture now, and that's criminal. That's like really like that's that's bad. But it was great that Get Out was nominated. It was, it was, but it would if if there was a most popular category, Get Out would never would have been nominated. Right. It would have been it would have been shoved over and in, into this other you know most popular category, and just said here you go you get this is what you get. Yeah. And it's it's part of where the Oscars have really cannibalized themselves and they've really marginalized themselves, because I, I was reading an LA Times article about this and. Something like up to about 2003, the year that uh, Return of the King won for Best Picture, if you lined up the Best Picture nominees with what the top ten movies are, you would see a decent amount of crossover between the two. You would see a decent amount of, oh, there are high-grossing movies in here, and and there are some smaller grossing ones, too, that that this is going to give a boost to. But what was starting to happen was that Harvey Weinstein, in particular 
was getting so good at marketing move, you know, his movies to turn them into Oscar nominations and then Oscar gold. Oscar actually shifted when the awards are given out. They used to be given out at the end of March, and then they shifted it to the end of February because they wanted to shorten the campaign season because, gosh darn it, Harvey Weinstein is just too good at this, and, and Miramax can't always win everything. Yeah. So they shortened the campaign season, and it turned into it's just art house movies galore at this point. I mean, I I get why there's the stigma that the quote unquote Hollywood elite is different from what the rest of America is because you look at the last couple of years of what's nominated for these things, let alone what wins, and you're like, to take nothing away from the films that have won, how is it? How is it acknowledging what was true? What was really the best thing out there that had the most cultural impact? I mean, you can't say that La La Land did not have one of the biggest cultural impacts of any movies that came out that year, and yet it wasn't acknowledged as the best picture of the year. Yeah. And honestly, show me people who saw The Shape of Water, which won the previous year. Because uh, I bet the, I was going to say there's probably the same number of people who have met Boba Fett on this podcast right now that saw The Shape of Water. <laughs> Uh, uh, I saw the I saw the shape of water. We'll triple it. I saw it too. Yeah, I, I, but, but but to your point uh, though, well, it, I I did have movie pass at the time, so there you go. So if I didn't have movie pass, I wouldn't have seen it. So I did, all right, I did that's not. fair. So that's not going to happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover that next week, guys. And, and also, <laughs> the shape of water was great, by the way. Yeah, fantastic. I, I agree. I agree with that. Good movie. All right, guys. One last story to cover, and this one. This one's an interesting and, and fun story from CBR.com. You know, there's there's been a long-held urban legend in the Star Wars fan community that somehow, some way, George Lucas included the voice of John Wayne in, the, in the original Star Wars. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of fan rumors about this, and, and I think... Uh, Lucas has been a little cagey about it. Well, somebody somebody had um, Star Wars sound extraordinaire Ben Burt in the room, and Ben Burt, the legendary sound designer for Star Wars and many many other films, uh, he's the guy that invented R two D 2s language, and he was the voice of Wally throughout. Well, I mean, he's just he's he's. He is the sound guy let's, in Hollywood. Let's just say this. He invented the lightsaber. He invented the lightsaber. He invented the bolt, the, the blaster bolts. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go one farther for you, Steve. He invented sound design in movies. Yeah, he really yes. did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, the guy much, is, is a legit pioneer in our time. Yeah. He really is. And one of the reasons I love, love the original Star Wars is the sound design. Yeah. It's just, it's just adds so much. But So Ben Burt. Explained what happened with this John Wayne rumor. He says, quote, I always wanted to do an insect man. We didn't really have an insect man. And then came Poggle the Lesser from episode two and three. Sounds we had that character. We kind of looked like a mos- He kind of looked like a mosquito. Uh, and that we found we needed a sound for. And I was wondering back a few months ago how I did it because I kept notes and tapes. And I discovered... It was an electronic buzzing. Now, this is the sound of Pago the Lesser. It was an electronic buzzing which had come off my synthesizer that was triggered by a human voice. And I listened to it and realized it was John Wayne. 
I had found some loop lines in the trash from the studio that had been thrown away, so the buzzing was triggered by some dialogue like, all right, what are you doing in this town? Or something like that. So yes, John Wayne's voice was used in Star Wars. Not exactly John Wayne's voice, but his voice was used, according to Ben Burt. Now, I've done some additional research, guys. And I've been able to uncover the truth about this. And this is that, I'm just going to call it right now, Ben Burt's full of shit. What? Yep. Yeah, that asshole. Ben Burt, <laughs> he's a fraud. Because I have the actual raw tape of John Wayne from the original Star Wars film. Oh. Now, it's a little bit hard to hear, so I'm going to play it for you right now. So listen carefully. See if you can pick out John Wayne's voice from the original Star Wars. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. I mean to kill you in one minute, Ned. Or see you hanged in Fort Smith at Judge Parker's convenience. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord <laughs> Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes. Or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. It'll be the biggest mistake you ever made, you Texas brush popper. Enough of this. Veda, release him. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. There you go. Wow. Yep. Seamless. Seamless, Steve. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, hey. Special thanks to Sledgedom on YouTube. For that, that will be the original one. audio track we're That's listening right. to. When we watch <laughs> That's the Steve Cannon that I want to make. You know. <laughs> All right. uh, if if we all sit down in in a, in a room where we can actually watch a thirty five millimeter print, and <laughs> and that comes on, I Scott, I'm gonna kiss you straight on the mouth. Oh, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Oh, I'm gonna isolate that clip just now. <laughs> it's the Star Wars tweet of the week. Yeah! Really curious because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, um, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Greg, what do you got for us this week? Guys, you know, it's been a while since we visited Very Lonely Luke on his Very Lonely Island out there at Very Lonely Skellig Michael or whatever it's called in Star Wars land. I'm not sure what it is. I only know Earth places, guys. Give me a break. But anyway, (laughs) I'm going back to Very Lonely Luke from August the 7th. It says, I can't believe Ray just showed up on my island after all these years alone. She violated my privacy. And she also landed in a no parking zone. <laughs> I, I told those kids. I told those kids it was a no parking zone. <laughs> How sad is it that a no parking zone is canon in the Star Wars universe? As much as I defend The Last Jedi, I cannot defend Arrested for Parking. No. (laughs) No. And that's, by the way, a major plot point in the film that changes the course and arc of the film. A parking ticket. 
All right. Wow. Yep. Ryan, Ryan Johnson, we got to have some talk, man. Yeah, this is just real talk. Come Thank on. Thank you. Well, Seriously. if you've ever gotten a parking ticket that altered the course of your life, <laughs> like Rose and Finn, give us a call and tell us all about it. 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E in case you can't spell HIVE. Uh, you can find us online at thewretchedhive.net. You can email us, show at thewretchedhive.net. Look us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash wretchedhivepodcast. And find us on Instagram at thewretchedhive77. You can tweet at us at wretchedhivepod. Uh, by the way, we are stuck on, uh, I think it's 13 reviews on iTunes. And it's been a long time since we've had a review on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it if you would go online, take a moment, go onto your iTunes account, and review the show. I always say five stars, one star, we don't care. We just want to hear from you. We love those five-star reviews. And we all, I think all of our reviews are four or five stars. So no. give us a review. It will, it'll really help the show. If you're a regular listener, do that for us, okay? Please, pretty please, thank you. Thank you. Guys, episode 68 is in the books. Final thoughts. Anybody see Ewan McGregor on The View? Oh, what did he say? No. Said no plans for Obi-Wan movie as far as he knows. Oh. How many times does he have to deny this before? You know, <laughs> poor guy. All the times. All of the times. And it ah. makes me sad every time. Man. <laughs> Guys, it's been a lot of fun. We know Obi-Wan is happening. Just cop to it, Ewan. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. And until then, may the Force be with us all. Listen, I am not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>